Today's scripture reading comes from Luke 8, verses 40 through 50. Now when Jesus returned, the crowd welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him. And there came a man named Jairus, who was a ruler of the synagogue. And falling at Jesus' feet, he implored him to come to his house, for he had an only daughter about 12 years of age, and she was dying. As Jesus went, the people pressed around him, and there was a woman who had had a discharge of blood for 12 years, and though she had spent all of her living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. She came up from behind him and touched the fringe of his garment, and immediately her discharge of blood ceased. And Jesus said, Who was it that touched me? When all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowds surround you and are pressing in on you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me, for I perceive that power has gone out from me. And when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling, and falling down before him, declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him, and how she had immediately healed. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. While he was still speaking, someone from the ruler's house came and said, Your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher anymore. But Jesus, on hearing this, answered him, Do not fear, only believe, and she will be well. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, this is weird, right? <laughs> Whether uh, Christ community is already your church home or you're watching for the first time online, this is probably not the Easter we expected a few weeks ago when the world made sense. Probably not the Easter that we wanted a few weeks ago. Take a minute, think about what you'd be doing today if this were like just a normal Easter. <laughs> you'd probably be hiding Easter eggs around your house, around your yard. Maybe you already did that. Uh, you'd be thinking about, how am I going to cook all this food for people that are coming over? Honey-baked ham is my favorite, maybe with a side of Clorox this year, just to be safe, just to be safe. Maybe you'd be sleeping in. You wouldn't even be watching church. You wouldn't be at church at all. That, that's no judgment here. I, we're all doing the best we can. I appreciate your honesty. Maybe you'd be thinking about travel plans. How am I going to get home for Easter this year? Or you'd be thinking about vacation plans. How am I going to get away from my family I just saw after Easter? You'd be thinking about graduations and Mother's Day and summer travel and all the fun, warm weather stuff that goes along with this time of year. And instead, here we are together doing this. Some of you made it out of your pajamas. Uh, and again, no judgment if you didn't. It was Herculean for me to get this suit on today. I'm very jealous of your pajamas right now. Maybe some of you, <laughs> right? It's like, this, if we, you're thinking to yourself, watching this guy in this moment on my TV or my laptop or my phone was not high on my Easter bucket list. It's okay, admit it. Believe it or not, I feel the same way. This wasn't exactly what I thought I'd be doing on Easter either. It's a weird time. 
It's a desperate time. Even if we don't feel that desperation yet, I feel like we see it coming. We're desperate for reprieve. We're desperate to be outside. We're desperate to see our family and friends. We're desperate to go back to normalcy. We're desperate for answers, for clarity, for decisions. And if that's too much to ask, we'd settle for more toilet paper and dried goods. And some of us are really desperate. We're desperate for our job back. We're desperate for financial security. We're desperate for physical safety. We're desperate for loved ones that we can't see right now. It's a desperate time. Now here's the good news in the midst of all that. The good news is that Easter, before it's about our plans and our expectations, before it's about food and dressing up and all that other stuff that we love about Easter. Easter is first and foremost for desperate people. Always has been, always will be. People like you and me and people like in our story we just heard read a few minutes ago. These are people in our story. This is not the Easter story we're talking about today, but these are people desperate for what Easter promises. People at the end of their rope, They're out of plans, they're out of resources, they're out of ideas, and they're out of time. And so they do the one thing, the one desperate move left to them, the thing they probably thought they would never do in their darkest hour. They go to Jesus, and we're going to do the same thing. So if your Bible's near you, pick it up. We're going to look at Luke chapter 8, starting in verse 40. And our story begins, Jesus and his disciples have just crossed Uh, the lake and are back in the area of Galilee, which is Jesus's home turf. And again, if you've read the gospels, you know, this happened a lot, but Jesus gets off the boat and there is immediately a crowd of people there waiting for him. Hundreds of people. Jesus's popularity is growing. Everybody wants to be near him. They want to talk to him. They want to ask him for help. Jesus is incredibly popular teacher at this time, but Luke only wants us to see one person. And look at with me at verse 41. And there came a man named Jairus, who was a ruler of the synagogue. Now, Jairus is probably a wealthy person, a prominent person. This role, a ruler of the synagogue, uh, was, a, was a, a seat of honor, kind of like a local church pastor, probably better educated than most, probably a, a devout man, knows his Torah backwards and forwards. But today, none of that matters to him. He comes to Jesus because he is a desperate man. Read the rest of verse 41. Falling at Jesus' feet, he implored him to come to his house. For he had an only daughter, about 12 years of age, and she was dying. Now, notice this with me. The idea here is not that this girl might die, but that his little girl will die. This is not a a 50-50 shot, could go either way. Jesus, can you come take a look? No, Jairus is going to Jesus because this is his absolute last desperate move. If Jesus says no to this request, Jesus, come heal my daughter. Jairus's only option is to go home and say goodbye. That's it. He knows this is a long shot, but he has no other choice He has to keep going forward momentum. So he falls at Jesus' feet. Jesus, will you help me? And Jesus miraculously says, yes, 
Jairus, I will help you. Lead the way. Take me to your house and we will save your little girl. And so now if, if Jairus was desperate before this moment, imagine his desperation now because the only thing that could make him more desperate is hope. He just went from a one in a hundred shot to now maybe 50-50. Maybe now Jesus can do something. But he knows every second, every minute counts. Every moment that passes from here to when they get to his house, his little girl's chances of survival tick down, down, down. And so he rounds up the disciples. He rounds up Jesus. He says, follow me. He's out ahead. But there's the crowd. There's always a crowd with Jesus. And so, I mean, put yourself in his shoes, right? You're, you're there, excuse me, pardon me, coming through. But inside, you're screaming at every single person, get out of the way. There's a life on the line. My daughter's dying. You're not that important. And so you're picking your way through this crowd and you're going too slow. You know it's too slow, but right when you see daylight, you can see your street, you can see your house. You hear Jesus behind you say something. And you, you turn around and you're confused. Jesus says, who touched me? And you, you, catch, you catch him in the crowd and your heart just stops. Because Jesus is there in the middle of the street and he has stopped. He stopped asking this question of people around him, who touched me? And the people around him are looking at him like, What? And even his own disciples, there's one, the one you know is named Peter. He's right there. And he says, Jesus, who touched you? There's hundreds of people here. Who, who hasn't touched you, Jesus? And Jairus in his heart, he's got to be thinking, Jesus, we do not have time for whatever it is that you're doing. We got to move and we got to move right now. But Jesus is adamant. He says again, who touched me? I perceive the power has gone out from me. He will not be moved. Jesus is crossing his arms and he's digging in his heels, right? This is the move of a, of a parent before snack time when there's one more worksheet to do because you're homeschooling your kids. Like I will wait all day for someone to tell me who touched me. That's where Jesus is right now. I don't know how long that moment lasts, but eventually this poor little woman in the back of the crowd, she slowly raises her hand. She says, Jesus, it was me. And Luke tells us this woman had been suffering from a chronic illness for 12 years. And worst of all, it was an illness that made her unclean to the people around her. So this, was, this disrupted her entire life. She tried every doctor. She tried every herbal tea she could think. Nothing's helping. She's only worse off every single day. She's desperate. So she thinks, I don't want to bother Jesus. I don't want the embarrassment of asking him for help and talking about what's wrong. I don't want to deal with any of that. I know if I just get close to him, if I just touch him, I'll be healed. And so she, she does, she touches him and she's healed. But Jesus will not let her remain anonymous. That's verse 47. And when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him, declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. And he said to her daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. And I'm sure the whole crowd was like, oh, it's so cute. 
Jesus loves this old woman. This is such a great story. And I'm, I'm not trying to be cynical. That's all great. But you're, remember, you and I, we're still Jairus. Jairus' floor, or his mouth, his jaws on the floor. Jesus, what are you doing? There's no time for this. And to make matters worse, right? Jesus calls this woman daughter. Meanwhile, Jairus is thinking, Jesus, what about my daughter? She's still at home. She's still dying. And you're thinking this and you, you, you turn around and then it doesn't matter anymore. Because from afar, you see one of your servants from your house coming toward you and you lock eyes with him and you know exactly what he's going to say before he says it. You know, it's over. He says, your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher anymore. And I, I can't imagine what Jairus feels in that moment. Grief, no doubt. Sadness, sure. But anger? Rage? Jesus, you said, you promised me that you would fix this. And because of your delay, I've lost everything. I wouldn't blame him for feeling that for one minute. And yet it's like Jesus, he knows what he's thinking. He, it's like he comes right up to Jairus. He grabs him by the collar. And he says, Jairus, don't be afraid. Only believe. And she will be well. And Jairus, I don't know if he believes Jesus or not, but what has he got to lose? So he leads Jesus home to his house and Jesus brings Peter, James, and John with him inside. Everyone else stays outside and they walk into this room. And what Jairus immediately notices is his little girl does not run up to greet him. And you look over in the corner, there's, right, there's adults everywhere, but you look in the corner and there on this little bed is this little girl. She's not talking. She's not moving. She's not breathing. She's gone. I don't know if you've ever walked into a room where someone has just passed away, but there's nothing like it on earth. The grief, the pain, the anger, the tears. It's almost unbearable. This is the room that Jesus and Jairus walk into when they get home. And Jesus, you almost have, you almost have to laugh because if you don't laugh, you'll cry. Jesus says this to everybody there. He says, do not weep for she is not dead, but sleeping. And even if we don't laugh, the, the people in the room did, but it's not a happy laugh. It's an angry laugh. Jesus, you fool. Don't you see she's dead? She's right there. It's over. You missed it. She's gone. But Jesus doesn't listen to anything they say. He walks straight over to this little girl. He, he gets down on his knees. He puts her hand in his. And he says, little girl, it's time to get up. And here's what happens next. And her spirit, the idea here is her life returned. And she got up at once. And he directed that something should be given to her to eat. She's hungry. 
And her parents were amazed, but he charged them to tell no one what had happened. And here's the weird thing. This isn't in the story, but I can't help imagining that as Jesus turns from this room that was full of grief and death and is now full of joy and life, as he and his disciples leave, Jesus is hiding a smile. He's tricked us. There's, there's something happening in this story. There's more than meets the eye. Yes, Jesus loves desperate people. That's obvious. But not in the way we expect. So what's Jesus up to? Well, I think three things. There's three things Jesus is showing us in our own moments of desperation. Three responses to us in our desperate times. And maybe you're here and you're watching and you're like Jairus. You're, you're, your prayers to Jesus right now in this desperate time start with that phrase, right now. Jesus, right now. We need you and we need you now. Even if you're like skeptical of Jesus, if you've ever been desperate enough to pray to him, you don't even know he's there. But Jesus, if you're there, if you can hear me, my hunch is that prayer started with right now, Jesus. I need, I need healing now. I need an answer now. I need you to fix it now. I need you to stop it now. And let's just, let's just call it what it is. Jesus, we need you to stop this virus and this moment now. What's the hangup? What's, what's taking so long? What's the problem? Jesus, right now. And Jesus says back to us, wait, wait. I know. It's not what I wanted to hear either. Wait. And yet I get the sneaking suspicion that this whole story is showing us that the hurriedness and the anxiety and the desperation that we bring to Jesus in these moments right now, he does not feel. He has his own plan. He has his own way. He has his own time. It's like he's saying, I know you feel you need it now, but you can wait, wait. And there's a reason this word wait is all over the Bible. It's basically when the Bible says wait, it's, it's almost saying this is what it means to believe in God. It's to wait. When the Bible talks about a person of faith who trusts God above all others, it is primarily talking about a person who is willing to wait for God to do something kind of like what we're doing. Wait. This isn't always true, but I found after years of being a pastor and years of being a student of the Bible and years of being an adult, or at least doing my best impression of an adult, that God's timing is almost always later than what anybody else wanted or expected. And if you don't believe me, just think about the most famous stories of the Bible. Abraham and Sarah, you guys want to have a kid? Great. Just wait a little while. Hebrews, you're in slavery. You're in Egypt. You want to be free. Great. What are you doing in 500 years? David, you're ready to be king. I want you to be king. Great. But there's this other guy. His name is Saul. So it's going to take a little time. Just wait a little while longer. It over and over again. God is asking us to wait. And this is why one of the most common refrains 
in the laments of the Bible. And the, the laments are, are basically the prayers of God's people when they just want to throw their hands up and say, God, why are you doing what you're doing? We don't understand. One of the most common phrases in those laments is not just why God, but God, how long? How long? Psalm 13 is a great example. How long, O oh Lord, will you forget me forever? And by the way, it is okay to ask God how long. And it's okay to ask God right now. That's okay. As long as we are willing to accept his answer, which may be, wait, wait. I know you think you need this now, right now. Jairus did, but wait, wait. But the waiting may not even be the worst part. Waiting can be bearable. It's the not knowing why that can drive us to hopelessness and despair. I mean, Jairus of all of us has that, has that excuse, right? right? It's one thing for him to watch Jesus lollygagging around before he goes to save his daughter's life, but to not know why, to not see the plan, to not know what Jesus is up to, to be left in this the ambiguity of the whole thing. I mean, this is what is so mind boggling to me about the story is Jesus's actions make so little sense along the way, right up until the end of the story. This feels unfair. It feels unjust, maybe even cruel. What's happening to Jairus and his family. And there are moments in our lives, we will feel the same thing, but Jesus won't leave us there either. When we come to him, we say, Jesus, this doesn't make sense. I don't know what you're doing. Jesus responds with, believe, believe. I know you don't understand, but believe. There are times just like now when what God is doing makes no sense. It's like a puzzle with no solution. It's a question with no answer. Maybe you feel that in your life right now. And Jesus's response here is a call to faith. He says, believe, but notice with me, Jesus is not saying, believe the plan, believe the strategy. No, he's saying, believe in me. Because biblical faith, biblical faith is not certainty about what Jesus is doing. It is certainty about who Jesus is. This, this is why Jesus does what he does here. See, Jairus comes to Jesus because he knows something about Jesus's power over illness. He wouldn't have come to him otherwise. But Jesus knows, Jairus, actually what you really need to see is not just what I can do with a sick daughter, but with a dead daughter. You need to see my power over death. And this woman, this desperate woman, she wants to drive through healing, grab and go. She doesn't want to deal with the crowd. She doesn't want to deal with the shame of saying what's wrong with her and asking Jesus for help and having to do that all out loud. But Jesus knows that just as much as this woman needs physical healing, she needs to hear him say over her in front of everyone, daughter, your faith has made you well. Jesus is up to something totally different. My hunch is where you're at today makes no sense to you. That's probably most of us right now. I can't make heads or tails of this stuff. Honestly, I can't. We don't know what tomorrow holds, but we know the one who holds it. Believe. This is Jesus. Believe in me. And everything else will take care of itself. 
But maybe you're watching and you can't do that right now. Maybe you're looking at me and you're shaking your head. I mean, I can't tell, but maybe that's you. This sermon, this story, this hot, this Easter, it's a day late and it's a dollar short. It's like, yeah, too late. I can't, I can't do this anymore. I just want to go back to bed. I understand. Jairus was there. He had to have been there when he heard those words. Don't bother the teacher. She's already dead too late. At some point in our lives, we will go to Jesus and we will say, Jesus, it's too late. It is too late. It's too late to help. It's too far gone. It's too late to save. It's gotten too bad. It's dead. It's over. Too late. And this is really at the heart of Easter, isn't it? I mean, it's a, it's a bunch of desperate people who have lost all hope. It's a story of people, maybe people like us, who just think it's, it's too late. Because not long after Luke chapter 8, Jesus will be arrested, he'll be crucified, he'll be mocked and shamed and killed on a cross and buried in a tomb. Too late. For his disciples, it's too late for Jesus. It's too late for the kingdom of God and everything Jesus promised, right? This grave says too late. For generations and thousands of years of waiting for God's plan in faith, they end at a grave. But Jesus, after three days, not like Jairus' daughter, she's dead for an hour. Jesus, for three days in the tomb, he comes back from the dead and he says to a watching world and to his doubting children, Jesus, is it too late? He says, never, never. This is what the resurrection is. It is Jesus is never to all of our too lates. I don't know what Jesus is doing. And even that's putting it probably too positively. I rarely know what Jesus is doing. Seriously. And if I'm honest, on this strangest of Easter Sundays, I have been asking Jesus a lot of hard questions. Questions like, Jesus, how is this the plan? Jesus, why, are you, why is this happening? Why are you allowing this? This can't possibly be for our good. And I never know what his timing is. And I don't know how this ends. And, and listen, I'm not even just talking about this moment that we find ourselves in. Because what makes this moment so hard, it is in the midst of all this craziness, I know we are still losing loved ones. We're still making business decisions we don't want to make. We are missing people we cannot see. We are looking desperately for provision for work. We are comforting family members who don't understand, who are scared, who are anxious. And we don't feel like we have the answers, but we've got to comfort them. Life was hard enough already. And now it makes even less sense than it did before. So my question is, Jesus, what about all that other stuff? When does that end? When does death end? When does cancer end? When does mental health issues, when do those end? When does loss end? When is grief gone? When is injustice judged? 
When is hatred and violence and pain and tears? When is all that stuff gone? Jesus, we believe that Easter resurrection is the answer to all of our questions, but how many Easter's more until you make this right? I don't know how it ends. I don't know how it ends. And I, there are times in my desperation when I go to Jesus and I say to him, Jesus, is it too late? Is this too far gone? Has too, has, has too much happened? Can you really do anything good with this anymore? But then I see this story. And I see a girl brought back to life. And I see a father's faith rewarded. And I see a woman's health restored. And I see a stone rolled away. And I see a church for thousands of years who never should have made it this far and is now spread over all the earth. Jesus promises are coming true. And I remember that the God of creation who set the stars in place and the God of redemption who makes all things new, even today, even right now, the God of everything is possible, the God of too good to be true, the God of I am with you always is the same God who takes my hand and whatever grief or pain or doubt I bring to him and he looks me in the eye and he says, child, it's never too late with me. I don't, I don't have all the answers. I don't know. But I know the one who holds us and he is risen. He is risen indeed. And I want to close in prayer. But I want to speak specifically to some of you right now. I, maybe some of you right now are desperate and you're ready for this resurrection life that Jesus offers, but you've never put your faith in him. If that's you and you're ready to leave your dead life behind, and to choose Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and to get his resurrection life, his never too late life, into your life, I want to pray specifically with you today. And for the rest of us, this is a prayer for us too, in our desperation. Let's pray together. Jesus, we know there are people watching who do not know you, but they want to know you. And you hold nothing back from them. Your hand is outstretched if they would only take it. And if that's you, pray this aloud or with someone with you or silently in your heart. Jesus, you are my Lord and Savior. Give me your righteousness. Give, make me a son. Make me a daughter in your kingdom. And take away my sin and everything that drives me away from you. Bring me this resurrection life, Jesus. And for the rest of us, Jesus, may our fears and our doubts in this time not drive us further from you, but closer to you. Thank you for Easter's empty tomb, for the promise of resurrection life. May it empower us, your people, to be your hands and feet. It's never too late with you. Amen.